it feels too ordinary for us sometimes, not realizing that spiritual formation is identical to compound interest. It does not feel special to put a penny in the bank, but you put a penny in the bank for 60 years, you will be rich. And liturgy is very, very similar. It's about, it's about pointing your affections. Hey guys, welcome to the Real Life Podcast, where we talk about exactly that every single week, real life, which means some episodes might be about a fight we just had, some episodes might be about potty training since we have two toddlers, and some might be about eschatological realism because I love thinking and talking about deep theological things, and maybe we'll talk about all three of those in one episode. But we hope the show feels like hanging out in our living room with us, drinking a cup of coffee as we discuss faith and family and culture and Jesus. Me and my lovely wife, Alyssa, are your hosts, and don't hesitate to hit us up or reach out on social media to say hi or comment on this week's episode. Enjoy. Hey guys, Jeff here. This is going to be a fun little unique episode, just me again for tonight as I record this episode. And this episode is coming out on a Saturday or Sunday, depending on when you, what time zone you're in and receiving it. Um... And that's really rare too, because we release every single week on Thursday. Now, if you've noticed, we haven't released a new episode uh, in the last couple of weeks. We just wanted to take a break and um, doing some things. And if you know, if you follow me enough to know, I'm in book writing mode, which man, every two years I take, I basically write a book for about three or four months and it just, just dominates me for those three to four months. Um, and an interesting time in culture for sure. And in our world to have, you know, uh, so much of my attention and, uh, mind space be given to this book I'm writing while trying to also, you know, keep tabs on just what's happening in the world to speak into it, hopefully, and listen, learn, and, uh, be a prophetic witness like every Christian is supposed to be. Um, all that to say, um, we're back. We'll be back next week. But even then, but 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 with coming back, I wanted to do a little bit more series, like a like a whole month of like a series. And so this is not this episode, but let me explain. So in, starting in July, in July's episodes, uh, or in a couple days when you listen to this, so it'll be like June 30th or July something. Um, I thought it'd be fun to concentrate on just one book and to just kind of almost do like a little podcast book club with Alyssa. And there's one book that we actually got to read early before it even came out. So it comes out in July, but I got to read it a couple months ago and really loved it, really endorsed, uh, endorsed it heavily. Um, and I just feel like it was one of those books that is completely written for a time as this, even though it didn't know that this moment in history would obviously be happening because books, you know, are written a year or two before they come out, um, by John Kingston and it's called American Awakening. It's phenomenal. And if you guys know, I, I partner with them and do stuff with them because I just love the project and love what they're about. Just kind of pushing back the darkness, um, you know, bringing light, uh, bringing the domain and the kingdom of goodness and blessing back into our world through relationships and pushing back the darkness on death and despair and these huge giants that are really afflicting a lot of us and division. So next month, so for July, so if you want to read with us, um, get the book, go on, get on Kindle, get on Amazon. We'll start next week. Um, and it's called American Awakening, really cool cover uh, by John Kingston. Um, and it comes out this next month. Um, and it's really, really awesome. And so we'll probably spend, you know, like a couple every week or so every week's episode, we'll, we'll probably try to summarize like a couple chapters in me and us. We'll talk about them. But before that, there was one little thought I've been chewing on lately that I wanted to bring to you guys. So this will be a shorter episode. I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, maybe. Um, and just kind of a little, just a little like, uh, unfiltered kind of consciousness stream of thought on liturgy. Now, if you, again, if you followed us for a while, you know, this is nothing new. Uh, we love that word. We love what it means to hell with the hustle dedicates multiple chapters to it. But I 
do feel like one thing I'm not seeing right now is the fact that in moments of crisis, in moments of turmoil, in moments of suffering, you know, that's different for each different person, whether it's COVID, the racial relations thing, um, and the, the, um, the conversation we're all having around race. That's totally necessary, by the way, uh, depending on how you're in this moment, how you're feeling it, whether it's turmoil or suffering with the health and the, the COVID stuff, um, in a moment of um, difficulty, those all kind of would be considered difficulty or tension. I think liturgy is a really powerful weapon and a really powerful tool as Christians for this moment. And one that a lot of one of us aren't living in or uh, truly taking advantage of, or we are, but we're doing cultures liturgy and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. And so I just wanted to talk about that and just hopefully bring a little quick thought and a little quick encouragement of man, be liturgical creatures pointed towards the Lord in this moment. And you will find that having liturgical practices in your life are deeply anchoring, fulfilling, encouraging, and helpful in moments where maybe the mind is in a crisis, the body's in a crisis, there's a level of stress that's abnormal. Okay. So to start, I have a little section of my book about this. Uh, and so I'm just going to read a couple pages that so might take, I don't know, five, 10 minutes. And then I'm just going to give you a couple of resources and kind of unpack kind of what I'm, I'm talking about um, here. Now, this is on, this is Tell with the Hustle, which by the way, this book has been Thank you guys. It's been selling really well. And it came out like six months ago. I mean, like today it's still selling, even though it came out six months ago. And that's really rare for a book, even books that we've had come out before. They tend to only have like a, uh, you know, they, they live on forever, but they have like a two to four week spike in the very beginning. That's dramatically bigger than anything else it sees after that. This book's not true with that. So that's really cool. So thank you guys. It's been so fun. Um, keep sharing it. Keep letting me know what you think. I try to reshare those and engage with any single person who comments on it. So thank you so much. Hey guys, I want to take a break to tell you about one of the six sponsors, and that is Zola. You guys know we love Zola, and they love you guys because there's so many of you listeners are getting married, getting engaged, and on that journey, and Zola wants to help. I think they've actually helped over a million people uh, total plan their wedding. Now, if you don't know, Zola does that glad. They help you plan your wedding with resources and tools um, all in one place, and it's really awesome. From wedding websites where you can have hundreds of gorgeous designs with every different style you can pick, and you can create site in minutes, and then also add custom URL and password protection, to registry uh, that's easy to use and flexible so guests can get your gifts that you actually want and make it really, really easy in regards to giving you gifts, experiences, funds. Um, plus, they even give you a 20% off post-wedding, which is really, really cool um, and awesome other benefits. Not to even mention the invites and like wedding paper. They handle the design and logistics as well, which is really, really cool. So again, they make your wedding planning easier, less stressful with wedding websites, registry, and invites. And they'll help you even collect your addresses and track online RSVPs with their free guest list manager, which is really cool. And they'll address in your envelopes for free. So go to Zola.com, Z-O-L-A.com slash Jeff and Alyssa today. Use the promo code SAVE50 to get 50% off your save the dates. And you can also get a free personalized paper sample before you purchase, or you can click the link in the show notes. Again, Zola.com slash Jeff and Alyssa, Z-O-L-A.com. Um, okay. This is in chapter two, I believe. And it's called we're being formed, whether we like it or not. And I'm just going to read a couple pages it says, but the idea isn't to do things that take repetition. It's to make your sure your heart is right. If you do now, again, this is talking about liturgy. Now I did forget to define terms liturgy and is kind of, um, any repeatable, um, actionable kind of micro sized, um, 
sayings, prayers, blessings, or behaviors that you do in a particular way, like daily or ritualistically or rhythmically that form you. So the common religious liturgies are, you know, some type of repeatable saying, repeatable prayer. Um, But I also kind of spin that phrase and spin that term to mean even things, uh, you know, like our behaviors and pulling out our phones and stuff like that in the bad way. Because we're all, here's the truth. We're all liturgical. We're all liturgical. We all do repeatable ritualistic behaviors and sayings. And here's the truth of this chapter. Some of them uh, point us toward Jesus and some of us don't. Meaning we're all being formed either to an image we don't want to be or an image we are created to be. And that's the big question. Now here it goes. I once heard someone say that rules before love equals legalism and love before rules equals gospel formation. How much power, vitality, depth, and richness have we evangelicals left on the table of church history or tradition simply because we thought it looked and smelled too legalistic? We can all be ritualistic whether we like to admit it or not. See, we read the New Testament and we think, I can't believe people had to dress a certain way back then because of certain customs and codes or liturgies. Yet today we might think a church is out of touch or not relevant if the modern worship pastor isn't wearing skinny jeans and the pastor isn't preaching from an iPad. Philosopher James K.A. Smith makes the beautiful observation that the first and last words Jesus speaks in the Gospel of John are often overlooked, even though they're very much of the heart of how we change. Jesus asks at the beginning and the end, do you love me? We are not who we are because we thought our way there and we are who we are because we loved something and we chased it and we did it in small ritualistic ways and continued to do so. Or as Smith puts it, he calls these love shaping practices. That's another way to think of liturgy. All our liturgies are pointing us somewhere. The practices we do shape and cultivate our loves are shaping us. And if that's true, liturgy isn't something you do. It's better defined as something that's being done to you. We are a culture that leans heavily towards the intellectual, so we are determined to point out harmful ideas, or at least ones we disagree with. But because we don't understand that most ideas don't enter our lives through thinking them, but rather practicing them unwittingly, then those ideas are able to sneak into our culture in a Navy Navy SEAL Team 6 sort of way, changing us and shaping us and forming us before we even realize they're there. And frankly, the people who seem to best understand that we are creatures of love and desire, not thoughts, are the current giant tech companies of the world. Think about how Apple exists with a temple-like space in their retail stores where you go to sacrifice enormously large portions of your money to obtain that which you are looking for, connection, meaning, and depth. People stand in line all night, some even camping on the sidewalk for the latest device that offers those implicitly understood benefits. I think it's even fair to say that Apple is a religion with Steve Jobs as the high priest who's become venerated now that he has passed away. And so we take this phone and we crouch over it and we bend over, usually with heads bowed, laser focused on something, blocking out all around us. And we are silent and solemn, tending not to speak. And then we perform a certain behavior over and over and over and over again. Sound familiar? We swipe, 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 pull down, refresh, swipe, 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 flick, click, flick, pull down, refresh. You go to the Middle East and it's not uncommon to hear a bell ring throughout the day, which means it's time to pray and worship. But yet in the West, we aren't much different. We hear a ping instead, and most of us implicitly believe and know it's time to pray and worship by taking out our phone. People hear the bell and get out their mats and we hear the bell and we pull out our phones. It seems we aren't just doing something. Screens and phones are doing something to us. And then I kind of go on and talk about tech a little bit more. Um, I zone in on tech on this section, but I think it is a good example of zooming out on how I want to talk about in this episode. And that's the fact that we just got into. 
that here's another part. Once we realize that our daily habits are forming us on a fundamental level, then we will start paying attention. We begin to ask, are these doing something to me I don't particularly like or want, but I don't realize? You are becoming someone and something. You are being formed. You are an image that is reflecting. But we need to resist reflecting and participating in the hustle or the hurry that turns in, turns us into something we are not. And then I go, obviously, to um, kind of indict hell. I mean, to indict hustle and hurry in that next section. And so I just want to read that little section to set the stage. Now, what I want to chat about for the last few minutes is different in that it is um, not specifically talking about tech and not specifically talking about hustle and hurry, but I wanted to set the stage from that chapter on the importance of formation and liturgy. And in this moment, to anchor yourself, I think um, practicing the lit- within the liturgical tradition is very, very, very helpful. And so one obvious place to start that I think just would be very helpful for a lot of people to introduce into their life if they don't is any type of repeatable prayer Oops, excuse me, or saying or blessing. And we do this all throughout our day. And I love it. I do it in a personal way. Do it with Alyssa. We do it with the kids. I mean, a lot of you guys have seen, we kind of, it didn't go viral, but a lot of you guys really uh, hit us up back. So we know that a lot of you guys have heard about it with like the, the breakfast benediction that we kind of, man, uh, uh, you know, reshaped from Bobby Schuler, who does it at a church with, and we do it at our table every single day where, you know, I'm not who, what I am. I'm not what I do. Um, I'm not what other people say about me. I'm the beloved of God. It's who I am. No one can take it from me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to hurry. I can trust my friend Jesus and share his love with the world. We say that every single day. Hey guys, I want to tell you about another sponsor and that is Laurel Springs. We love Laurel Springs, new sponsor on the show, but they're really, really awesome. If you don't know, Laurel Springs School is a fully accredited private online school for students in kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. They offer challenging academic programs that honor each child's individual learning style and educational needs. It's really, really awesome, guys. Now, um, if you don't know, we homeschool with a little bit of dash of unschooling, if you know what that phrase is. We love it. Um, But I know a lot of people have been put in this position unwillingly, but Laurel Springs can uh, help step in the gap because they are awesome. Now, if you don't know what they do, they basically allow you to bring experts in online learning to you. They have the tools, the curriculum your child needs to maintain their learning unhindered by whatever the future holds in this crazy time. And what I love too is they're accredited and they're an online private school for students in kindergarten all the way through 12th. And the flexibility is really, really awesome, meaning it's tailored, it's specific, which is sometimes some things you can't get in other programs. Um, So again, they're accredited by the Western Association of School and Colleges and Advanced Ed, which means their transcripts are recognized worldwide by colleges and universities. So we love them, guys, and they want to completely waive your registration fee. So you can register your child at laurelsprings.com slash real life. Again, that's laurelsprings.com slash real life for waived registration fee. Now, you better believe saying that every single day in the moment is not life changing, but doing it every single day is life changing. Does that make sense? And I think that's where we sometimes don't like liturgy is we f- it feels too ordinary for us sometimes, not realizing that spiritual formation is identical to compound interest. It does not feel special to put a penny in the bank, but you put a penny in the bank for 60 years, you will be rich. And liturgy is very, very similar. It's about, it's about pointing your affections because here's the truth. You have a, you have a deep seated place in your heart that is your affections and they're, they're dynamic. They're active. They're, they're another way to, is there another way to put it is they're hungry. Affections are hungry. They're looking for something to land on. They're looking something to looking for something to be pulled towards. 
And especially in this moment, a lot of us are being pulled, our affections are being pulled, pulled towards outrage. Our effect, affections are being pulled towards cancer, cancel culture. Our effects are be, affections are being pulled towards anxiousness, stress, um, pressure, tension. And the only way to resist that, and then here, by the way, and then we, and then we reinforced those affections with liturgies, scrolling on the news feed. So we get more and more and more anxious because we see more and more and more news, not saying you shouldn't understand the news, but hopefully you know what I'm saying, that the fragmented, disintegrated version of how we have it today is horrendous for your soul and your mind. Um, and on and on and on, right? The way the, the, we have these affections, they're pulled in a certain way, and then we reinforce them with liturgies. The only way to be a false affection, meaning an affection that's pulling you in a direction that's dehumanizing. And, my, and I mean that in the truest sense of the word, meaning like anything that does not make you more into the image of Jesus is, is making you not human because Jesus is the truly human one and living and pursuing him is renewing yourself day by day into true humanity. And so if you go the opposite direction, the only other place you can go is away from that, right? Um, in a, to dehumanize yourself, to be clawing off the image of God on you without even realizing it because a true dense, like Jesus is the truly human one. And we see not an ounce of anxiousness. We see not an ounce of tension or pressure in the sense of like the bad way of that, right? Um, overwhelmed, overwhelmed by it. Um, we don't see any outrage in Jesus in the, in the way we see it today. Of course he was angry, right? But those are, you know, we're getting into kind of uh, semantics here, but, um, we don't see, right. These things because Jesus's affections were turned towards God. Now there's two obvious, like, like, I don't even know how to, uh, I'm just going to give a couple practicals. I want to give a couple practicals. So, you know, there's that one I just said, the, the breakfast benediction we do, um, but I think instituting small, really repeatable prayers in your day can be a real big blessing. And so there's two obvious examples in the, the scripture, because scripture is a great place to start for extracting really beautiful, dense meaning that you kind of can anchor yourself towards. And I'll give you an example too of, again, why it's important. Um, the first one's the Shema prayer in Deuteronomy 6 that, you know, uh, has been just a lifeline to the Jewish community for thousands of years and a prayer, by the way, that Jesus himself probably would have prayed three times a day, ritualistically and liturgically. And that's the hero Israel, the Lord, our God is one. Um, and then it's basically the greatest commandment when God, when Jesus gets, you know, in the, you'll love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, it's a really beautiful one, right? And that was kind of a liturgy of monotheism. It was kind of this act of resistance in the first century where a lot of the Jewish neighbors, a lot of Israel's neighbors were polytheistic. And so this was kind of this, that this is our God is one and he is over everything. And he demands our affection in all areas, mind, heart, soul, and strength. And repeating that has a particular effect on you in a beautiful way. And then I think Jesus introduces us to another really good liturgy um, in the Lord's Prayer. I used to almost, you know, I used to, growing up, I used to think that was just some religious kind of saying, but if you really let, if you step into it, into how it's meant to be, it's really beautiful. Don't take it for granted that the disciples ask Jesus how to pray and he gives them a template. Like he doesn't say like, oh, because this, this, I feel like the evangelical Jesus would have said, oh, don't ever say anything that's repeating. Oh, just pray from your heart. Oh, just tell us how you feel, <laughs> which is true. You don't talk to the Lord in conversation, obviously. Um, but man, he gives us a template, right? Uh, and he tells us, pray like this. Our father who's in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One of my favorite um, little nuggets on the Lord's prayer. I can't remember what theologian I heard it from, but he kind of says the Lord's prayer is almost like a coat rack for your your emotions in your heart. And what he means by that is let every line sit as a hook on that coat rack, 
coat rack that you hang your emotions, yourself, your anxiety, your tension, and your pressure on. And what he means by that is say a line at a time and then hang what you need to hang on it. Chew on it. Let it marinate. Our Father in heaven. Man, how radical is that, by the way, that first of all, the intimacy of saying that, man, Yahweh is our father. And then two, the fact that that's communal. He doesn't say my father in heaven, right? Our father in heaven. There's a lot there when you sit on one line and you hang on that coat rack, right? Uh, And then hallowed be your name, which means set apart. Man, his name is different, set apart. There's nothing like it. And then your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the prayer we need right now. In the race conversation, that's the prayer we need in the health conversation. That's the prayer we need in the division conversation. Man, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, like it is happening right now in his throne room. We want that to be true down here in our city and in our neighborhood. And we will pray that forward. And so stuff like that is really, really, really important. So I, I wanted to keep this episode short and just kind of give sh- shoot off a little shotgun blast, uh, not get into a ton of details, um, but hopefully just encourage you, man, that liturgy is the space to start resisting these moments. This, this is how you resist the, the pressure and power of the newsfeed, of the phone, of the news, of the anxiety and of the stress is having alternative liturgies. And we have plenty at our disposal in church tradition in our own scriptures and in really great resources. I, I, I don't, I think my video might've corrupted. And so I don't know if I'm gonna upload the video on this one on it, but so it might be audio only, but I'm holding up a couple books right now. The book of common prayer is a really good one. Um, common prayer, which is a bigger book called the liturgy for ordinary radicals. Um, we have another book called, I think every moment, holy, um, there's a couple of them that just, you just open them up and you just, there's t- tons of prayers that we just take to the kids. We bring to our table. We look up for certain topics and it's really, really a blessing. So I hope that's an encouragement. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. And I can't wait for the little book club this next week. 